things, and primarily I want to give honor to God for just giving us another day that we can rejoice and be glad in, and that we could gather together as brothers and sisters. It's going to be a great day. I want to give particular honor to Minister Keisha Woodfork, who put all this effort in to put this conference together. If you've never done a conference before, it's a lot of work, I assure you. It's not for the weak of heart. I'd like to just share something with, with us this morning for just a few minutes, and I'm not going to get long-winded, I promise. As we begin this conference, this day of hearing from the Lord so that we can be renewed and refueled, I feel like God has given me a word, and not just for you, but a word for me today. I'll be brief, but let me add that if you feel like this doesn't apply to you, then just bear with me, because I believe that it's for someone, and it's something that someone needs to hear today. And if you feel like this word isn't for you, if you'll stick around the rest of the day, I promise you'll hear something that is for you. <laughs> Amen. We, we say around here from time to time, if you come to church here, we'll treat you so many ways, you'll have to like some of them. <laughs> so if you'll stick around today, God will speak to your heart. It is said that anxiety is fear of the past and worry is fear of the future. Of the two, between anxiety and worry, I think worrying about the future is probably a lot more damaging. And I say that because at least with anxiety, whatever happened in the past actually did happen. On the other hand, worrying about the future is a far worse thief of our time and often our physical and our mental health than anxiety is. And this is why. Because worry steals from us the future Anxiety can too, but here's the difference. With worry, there's no certainty that what we're worrying about is ever going to happen. So we can spend our days worrying about the future, worrying about what if this happens, and what if this happens, and a lot of times it never happens. All it did was just destroy our life in the meantime. And someone's probably thinking, well, I thought this was a gathering of men of God. <laughs> men and women of God and pastors and ministers and the like. And you're talking about worrying? Yes, I am. And then there might be somebody on the complete other side, and you're thinking, man, am I ever glad he's talking about this? Because I thought I was the only one that ever worried. Unfortunately, I will tell you that most of us, from time to time, if we are not careful, can fall into that trap of worrying about some things when we should be trusting God for all things. And don't get me wrong, I don't think we should go through life with a, you know, whatever attitude. That's not what I'm saying at all. In fact, Proverbs 21.5 says, the plan of the diligent, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So we should plan. What I am saying that is instead of worrying about something that is unknown, a wasted effort that will not fix anything, we simply need to make the best choices today in the best wisdom that we know and trust tomorrow to the one that Romans 8.28 says is able to make all things work together for our good what it says. Look what it says. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That is what we should do as opposed to worrying. Amen. Trust that. Matthew 6, 25 through 30. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life more important than, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap 
or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to this life? And why do you worry about clothes? Ain't nobody here worries about clothes. <laughs> See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of them. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? The wealthy religious professionals of Jesus' day apparently endorsed the notion that material abundance was a sign of God's blessing. The more stuff you had, the more spiritual you had to be. As a result, there were f folks who were poor, didn't have much, and they would say to themselves, well, since I'm poor, where do I stand with God? See what that does when people start acting that way? And I believe Jesus addressed this issue in the verses just prior that we read. If you go back, and we're not going to read it, but if you go back to verses 19 through 24, verse 6 of Matthew, of chapter 6 of Matthew, you will see that Jesus admonished his listeners to keep their priorities straight when it came to true riches. He made it clear to them that of all the things, the stuff, all the things that the world calls wealth, it is temporary. Because someday all of those things will either rust or rot or somebody's going to steal them. That's what he said. And the warning was then for them to guard their hearts so that worldly wealth are things that we consider stuff. We all know what stuff is. So that that stuff did not become our God. Jesus was not saying that there was anything wrong with making money. He didn't say there was anything wrong with being wealthy. And there's not. Money and wealth and all the things, they only become wrong when we fall into the mindset of acquiring them no matter what it takes and no matter who it hurts and when it becomes all about us. And I will tell you, those rules go for our churches as well. Jesus knew that most of the people that were listening to him in that day they really weren't concerned about gaining great wealth. They really weren't concerned about hoarding up treasures. They were more concerned about how they were going to feed their kids, how they were going to have a place to live. And I assure you, there's a lot of people today who are worrying about the same things. There's a lot of folks today, they're not worried at all about, can I corner the stock market by the time I'm 50 or 60? Instead, they're wondering, how am I going to pay the rent? How am I going to feed my children? How am I going to put bread on the table? How am I going to buy clothes for my children so they can go to school? And there's probably some pastors today who are wondering, when the end of the month gets here, how am I going to pay the insurance? How am I going to pay the rent? Let me assure you that the answer that Jesus gave to his listeners in that day is the same answer for us today. He encouraged them time and time again, keep your priorities straight. Jesus made it clear that just as true riches are far more than worldly treasure, life is a lot more than food and water. It's a lot more than food and shelter. It's a lot more than any of the stuff that you can get. That's not what life is all about. He said, don't worry. Give no thought about your life. You say, well, you mean you're telling me you don't worry? I didn't say that. I said, I'm, I'm working on it, and I'm doing better, 
And I'm getting better at trusting God when things don't go like I think they should. But God told us to stop worrying about all the stuff and to trust him because he is in control. And that's quite a challenge. You figure the people that Jesus was talking to were going through some tough stuff. And from time to time, it can still be a challenge for us today. In our society, and again, I'm talking about in churches too, people's lives are often consumed by trying to accumulate things that Jesus said not to worry about. Basically, again, stuff. Even among Christians today, it has become popular to go after the things of the world as opposed to seeking after God and his righteousness. And then we fall into the same mindset of some of the religious leaders of Jesus' day that he railed against so often. The mindset of, if I have more stuff, it must mean I'm more spiritual. If I've got a fancy car, that means that God must love me more than he loves you because you've got all hoopty car. That ain't the way it goes. Let me tell you today, it wasn't true back then in Jesus' day. It's not true today. Jesus pointed his listeners to the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. First he spoke of the birds and he pointed out they do absolutely nothing to grow their own food. And yet their heavenly father provides for all of their needs. And the point of Jesus' talk here was not to glorify idleness. He wasn't saying just go sit down somewhere and don't do anything. It was telling us to be free from worry. If God can take care of all of the birds of the air, if he can feed all of them, then be assured that he can take care of you. It's a good lesson for us to understand. God will always provide for the needs of his children. The reason that we can trust that God will provide for us is that he loves us just as much. In fact, he loves us more than all the rest of creation. Verse 26 lets us know that we are more valuable to him than all of these other things. So I will tell you today, Pastor, if you are following after God as he leads, then stop worrying about how the bills are going to get paid. Pastor, if God can feed the birds of the air, then I'm certainly he is confident and he knows exactly how he's going to come up with the money to pay for that new air conditioning unit. He knows exactly how he's going to come up with that money to put a new roof on your church. So stop worrying about it. One thing I know for sure, you have a whole lot better chance of trusting God to get it done than you do by worrying yourself sick over it. We are not to worry about all the stuff any more than we're supposed to worry about our changing our height. That's what the Bible says. Some people are not happy about how tall or short they are, but you know what? They don't stress over it. You know why? Because they know they can't do a thing about it. <laughs> That's right. And Jesus told them, you can't do any more about all the stuff going on in your life than you can about changing your height. So if you're short, God still loves you and he'll bless you. If you're tall, God still loves you too. And you don't sit around worrying about, boy, I just wish, Lord, I just wish you'd make me taller. 
I just wish you'd make me shorter. We don't worry about those things. And if Jesus placed all of the other stuff in the same category as worrying about how tall or how short we were, why do we worry about stuff? The fact is, most people don't fret over the obvious. The common things that they know they have no control over. And the principle here is profound when it comes to faith in our Heavenly Father. We don't give a second thought to whether or not the sun will come up every morning, right? We don't give a second thought. Did anybody wear gravity shoes today? Those shoes that had big weights in them? No. Because we didn't give a second thought about gravity turning loose and we just all float off into the air. We don't worry about gravity. We don't worry about the sun coming up. Why? Because we know we cannot do anything about it. And when we find the place in our trust with God that we look at everything that happens exactly the same way and we say, I can't change it myself. I will trust God that the sun will come up. I will trust God that gravity is not going to give away. And I will trust God that he will provide all of my needs. Trust him. Rest in him. Let go of worry. Take this time today as you sit in these classes to be renewed, to be refueled, so that when you go back to your church, pastors, you can stand in that pulpit. You can say the things that God gives you to say with confidence. You can stand and say with confidence, I am not worried. My God's faithfulness has been proven. It will be proven again, and that means I don't have to be afraid. Matthew 6, 31 through 34. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Look at this. For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen. Everybody said amen on that. <laughs> don't store it up. Verses 31 through 34 of this sixth chapter of Matthew is the culmination of Jesus' teaching on faith and provision for our daily needs. Do not worry about what to eat. Do not worry about what to drink. Do not worry about what to wear. And again, it's important to point out that this commandment does not mean that we're supposed to not work. That we're not supposed to work so we can provide food and clothing for our family. The Apostle Paul made it clear in 2 Thessalonians 10 that if people refuse to work, then they weren't going to eat. So this isn't about not working. This is about working and doing your best, but place your trust in Jesus, and he will provide everything that you need. I didn't make that up. For many people in the world, their priority is to pursue after these physical needs. And as an extension, physical pleasure. And I will tell you, when you start doing that, it leads to an awful lot of immorality. Jesus was saying that the priorities of, of the world, that running after these things, should not be our priorities. He said, that's what the pagans do. Don't do that. And they don't have to be because we know that our Heavenly Father knows exactly what we need. 
While those who are not children of God spend their lives seeking after things that will eventually pass away, Jesus urged his followers to make sure that we were seeking after God's kingdom and God's righteousness and making that our foremost, foremost priority. Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. That means that not only do we seek his kingdom and reach out and minister to all those who are in need, it means that we seek his righteousness by abstaining from the sinful things of the world. So we seek his righteousness. We seek his kingdom. We seek after him to provide our needs. And we let all that other stuff go. And guess what? Keeps us out of trouble. Look at it this way. Follow me here. We are the tools that God uses to accomplish what he wants to accomplish on this earth. Amen? If a farmer had a team of horses or a nice big tractor, and he uses those horses or that tractor to get things done on the farm, he is probably wise enough to know that if he's going to get the work out of the horses or the tractor, that he has to take care of them. You with me so far? So he has to take care of them. He has to feed the horses. He has to refuel them. Feed the horses and put gas or whatever it is in the tractor. Don't you think that since we are the tools that God uses here on this earth to spread the word, that he isn't going to take care of us? Don't you think that he's going to give us all we need to carry out his purposes and provide for all of our needs so we don't have to go around worrying? We're his tractors. Man, come on now. I would have said we're his horses, but I just left it at tractors. And Jesus closed this thought out with a blanket admonition not to worry about anything in the future. You know why? Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is going to have its own set of problems. And if you pick up all of today's problems and you hold on to them, when you get to tomorrow, you got double trouble. You won't be able to hold them all. So let it go. Whatever's bothering you today, whatever's troubling you today, whatever you're worried about today, let it go. You say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. But here's what I know. I know how big my God is, and I know he's bigger than your problem. From our perspective, the future holds infinite unknowns. And Jesus was saying that worrying about the unknown can only consume us and distract us from the priorities in our lives and the things that we are called to do today. I know in my life personally, I have ruined entire days because I was worrying about something that might happen tomorrow. And I also know for a fact there has been times that I wasted an entire day worrying about something that was going to happen tomorrow that never even happened. I wasted a day for nothing. The next statement might seem a bit harsh, but before you get upset, let me give it some thought. Worrying is a sign that we lack sufficient faith in God's willingness or power to come to our defense. Let me say that again. Worrying is a sign that we lack sufficient faith in God's willingness or power to come to our defense. It also means that we're attempting to shoulder the weight of things that we were never intended to carry. 
Cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. If you are carrying around the burdens of this life, you don't have to do it anymore. Philippians 4, 6 in the New Living Translation says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And I could just say, amen, let's go home. And we would be just fine. Because we don't have to worry about things. We need to pray about the things and thank God for what He's already done and know that He can supply what we need today. Worrying takes away our rest. It increases our stress. It's okay to plan, but we shouldn't obsess. If you live very long, you will experience problems in life, and I'll close. And I will tell you, that's not negative by saying that. John 16, Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Jesus said, I'm telling you this up front so that you can calm down. Are you ready? Everybody's sitting down. Here's what I'm going to tell you. In this world, you will have trouble. And then he just packed up and left. No, he said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We can be troubled on every side, but we don't have to be distressed or worried. Because we have a promise that even though trouble will come, and it will, Jesus has already overcome the world. We might find ourselves perplexed or puzzled, but we don't ever have to find ourselves hopeless. We might be persecuted, but God does not abandon or forsake us or leave us alone. We may feel and we may even appear to be cast down or knocked down, but we are not destroyed. When you're tempted to worry, look at Philippians 4, 6 through 7. This is something you probably ought to memorize. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you're feeling like all is lost, when you feel like quitting, remember Paul's admonition to be, not to be anxious, not to worry about things. And by doing that, you get burdened down. Don't do that. Instead, present your concerns to God. Thank him for what he's already done. Thank him for taking care of you when things feel like they're tearing you apart. Thank him, God, I just appreciate everything you've already done. If you never do another thing for me, I will still give you glory. I will still give you praise because of all you've ever done. And then do what verse 7 says and ask him to place a guard outside the door of your heart and mind so that whatever happens right in the middle of your worst problem, you can realize and feel the peace that only he can give. A peace that is so phenomenal that we cannot even understand it. And then rest in that peace. Let go of the worry. Grab hold of the promise and allow yourself to be refueled. God bless you.